Listener Production. This is Global Truths with Dr. Keith Souter. This is a podcast that we do every week. We take an issue that is something that is rolling out somewhere in the world that can be quite complex and we break it down and we talk about it. We make it very easy to understand. And Dr. Keith, you're an expert in this field of international relations loads of study on the issues and media commentator for decades and we've worked together for many years as well. So I love doing this with you and I love the fact that you are so good at making this stuff understandable for anyone and giving the background of this information. So thank you, Keith, as always. Today's going to be interesting as well because we're going to talk about conspiracy theories, which the general public love as a topic anyway. But of course, as no one would be surprised, Keith, the conspiracy theory world has exploded with Trump at the helm in America. <laughs> well, it's exploded not only because of Trump, but because of social media. There's an excellent article in the June 2020 issue of uh, The Atlantic magazine by Adrienne LaFrance, and she talks about the prophecies of Q. So if you look at rallies which are addressed by President Trump, you'll notice that people will hold up signs saying Q, or they're wearing souvenirs with a Q on it. So it's Q for Queen. The organisation is Q Anon, as Anon as in anonymous. So Q is supposed to be the highest level of security clearance in the United States. So if you really want to know about how to make an atomic bomb, allegedly, you have to have Q clearance, right? So it's not the sort of thing you'd give to a politician, (laughs) <laughs> politicians can never keep their mouth shut. But but this is something which goes on within the deep state, right? So, Which, by the way, we have addressed in another episode the whole idea we of the have, deep we, state. Yeah, and I'm a believer that there is such a thing. Well, in England we call it the establishment, which is perhaps less threatening than this term deep state. She, like myself, became interested in the QAnon issue because of a particular incident with a, a guy called Edgar Madison Welsh a deeply religious father of two who until Sunday, December the 4th, 2016, had lived in an unremarkable life in a small town of Salisbury, North Carolina. That morning, Walsh took his cell phone and a collection of rifles and pistols and drove 360 miles north into northwest Washington, which is a very nice part of Washington, D.C., and walked into a pizza parlour called Comet Ping Pong. And it's a very popular spot with families. That's where you go to to get your pizzas. So he walks into the store heavily armed and then starts checking out all the doorways because he's looking for a basement where Hillary Clinton and her colleagues uh, allegedly are involved with a child sex ring. So he then comes to a locked door And he thinks, oh, this must be the route down to the basement where Hillary Clinton and her friends are carrying out the child sex activities. So he then shoots off the the door locking (laughs) and opens the door. The reason it's locked is because it contains computers. He realised it's not a flight of stairs down. It's just holding computer equipment. At that point, sanity returns to this fellow And he then lays down the weapons and walks out of the pizza parlour, Comet Ping Pong. The place is now surrounded by police officers and he gives himself up to police and goes on trial uh, and is in jail for four years. So 
What is intriguing is that he said that he was provoked into doing this by reading about material from Q Anon. So in other words, that Wikipedia had in October 2016 released a lot of emails from the Democrat Party. There's a continuing debate about who was responsible for those leaks of derogatory emails, particularly sort of saying we've got to stop Senator Sanders from doing well in politics, etc. So um, a very much pro-Clinton set of emails. And, of course, you know, the, the Democrats have said that's, that's Russian intervention. They hacked the Democrat Party and released all those emails. Donald Trump is saying, no, it was done by the Ukrainians. Others are saying, no, it was done by a staffer who worked for the Democrats who was alienated from the Democrat Party. So there are all sorts, that's a whole story in itself, the whole WikiLeaks controversy, which, of course, is why Julian Assange is held in detention in Britain prior to perhaps going back to the United States. But what is interesting is that QAnon starts saying, ah, there is a code in all those emails. The references to Comet Ping Pong is where the children are being molested. And all these references to getting pizzas is a reference to children. They're talking in code. And so this poor fellow, uh, Mr. Welsh, decides to then take his weaponry and go and liberate the children who are in the basement, except there's no basement if there are no children. Or the, so it, it's weird. And so suddenly, you know, you're heavily into conspiracy theories, and suddenly people are saying, well, who on earth is this QAnon which is over the internet. So if you Google QAnon, you'll end up with all sorts, providing you're willing to go into some really suspicious parts of the net, which I'm not recommending listeners do because you might find yourself attracting (laughs) unpleasant attention from the authorities. Mm. But, you know, 4chan, 8chan, et cetera, all of these chat rooms are where you will find QAnon subscribers. And this is people, I guess, encouraging each other to think, that facts are not facts. Exactly. That, you know, different versions of events. Yeah. Take an idea and run wild with it. Yeah. So clearly Mrs Clinton was not involved with paedophilia or, <laughs> or molesting of children. Comet Ping Pong is a respectable establishment. It doesn't have a basement or, or anything like this, but this is what got this woman, Adrienne LaFrance, um, interested in this whole issue of QAnon, and it got me interested as well. What on earth would provoke... A very otherwise very sensible fellow who later on in court apologised for his behaviour and had just had this sort of a brain spasm which provoked his behaving so much out of character. And this is the problem, I guess, with so much misinformation, Keith, on social media. And, you know, you look at all the elections have happened and actually social media in general and the news feeds that come up with just completely falsified stories, but yet people click on them and clickbait. They look like they're going to be interesting stories and they just completely contain false information about a particular issue. But that is rife. Like that's those people, people are getting misinformation everywhere these days. You need to know where to go to get the basic information. Absolutely. And this poor fellow was just taken in by all of this. And in fact, uh, LaFrance in her article talks about the QAnon is emblematic of modern America's susceptibility to conspiracy theories and its enthusiasm for them. So how when when we track this kind of trend, what are we looking at? I mean, obviously, they would have existed anyway. Look at Obama, you know, the conspiracy that Obama wasn't American. That's right. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and that get and that it's interesting. She actually addresses that because that was an issue which they had to address in their own newsroom. 
that on the one hand that you had uh, Donald Trump before he acquired presidential aspirations talking about the fact that Obama was born in Africa and therefore could not stand as president to become a to stand as an American candidate presidential candidate you've got to be born in the United States the constitution is quite clear on that and so that that was one strand that you had a new story but at the same time the journalists were saying should we give oxygen to this new story or should we just ignore it and of course as you know the story rolled on for years encouraged by the Donald Trump and the media <laughs> and the viewers the viewers are saying give us more of this mm. that's your problem in the media that you're actually having to feed this hungry beast. You have me, you have the your own viewers who are fascinated by this. Now, Adrian LaFrance says that this is a movement united in mass rejection of reason, objectivity, and other enlightenment values. And so what we see then is not just a conspiracy theory, but the birth of a new religion. And this is why a number of religious commentators are now buying into the issue as well. Because they're saying if you look back at the history of religion, you end up with um, a number of messianic apocalyptic movements. So QAnon, Q, as I say, claiming to be well aware of what's going on in the deep state, a supporter of Donald Trump, seeking to encourage people to support Donald Trump against the deep state, against, I think, a lot of evidence of reality. But anyway, so... It's interesting, FBI have now classified QAnon as a domestic terror threat. Is it that, like, that bad? It is that bad. So this is the risk that you run, remember? Look, look at this poor Mr Walsh, you know, an ordinary law-abiding citizen who suddenly decides to pick up a rifle and go and shoot up a pizza parlour. And that's FBI's worry that you could end up then with these isolated acts of violence. People who have no previous prison record, criminal record or whatever, suddenly coming in, in effect, from outside and committing these crimes. That's what troubles FBI. You're listening to Global Truths with Dr Keith Suda. We're talking today about conspiracy theories and the fact that, well, particularly in America at the moment, they've never been so rife and driving people to commit acts of violence and crime and and it's all perpetrated by this misinformation that seems to be everywhere. Uh, Keith, what are some of the other scenarios that you've been working with? Well, the, the, the major concern, of course, is this general feeling that there is something going on which you just don't know about. This is the essence of conspiracy theories. And ironically, there's an element of truth with conspiracy theories because <laughs> the phrase itself we believe, was coined by CIA to discuss the death of President Kennedy. So when the first report came out, Lee Harvey Oswald was um, accused of killing the president. Remember, he didn't last long enough to stand on trial. Uh, he was shot by someone with criminal underworld connections. All sorts of interesting things are there. And a lot of Americans said, no, it's just not possible for Lee Harvey Oswald to kill President Kennedy. Uh, he just wasn't that sort of a shooter and the rifle wasn't accurate enough. And as we now know, because the film footage was suppressed for many years, the president looks as though he was shot in the, in the head from the front and not from the rear. So FBI, real, uh, sorry, CIA realised they had a problem quite early on 
with people who were not believing that Lee Harvey Oswald was the sole assassin responsible for the death of President Kennedy. And so they invented this term conspiracy theories to talk about the way in which people doubted the official version. I might just say I, there are very few people now believe that Lee Harvey Oswald acting alone or may not have actually been involved in the shooting at all. So ironically, therefore, the people who were suspicious at the outset, whom you would say, oh, they're just conspiracy theory people, may well be vindicated by what we now know about the assassination of President Kennedy. So there is also another strand in American political thinking called the paranoid style of American politics. So American politics have long been vulnerable to red scares of one sort or another. So the first one occurred at the end of World War I when you ended up with a lot of um, arrests of uh, people for being alleged communists. So then when you get the McCarthyite scare of the 1950s, America had been through this 40 years earlier. Now, of course, it's, it's an Islamic scare that people tend to be worried about. What is interesting is that FBI, in trying more recently to investigate terrorist threats, was prevented from investigating right-wing groups. And the person who did the work was sacked because the Republicans were saying, you are potentially investigating our voters. Stop it. Now, so for me, what is interesting at FBI now recognises QAnon as a domestic terror threat. In other words, FBI are now willing to stand up to the Republicans in Congress and say, we've not only got a threat from Islamic terrorists, and other left-wing groups, but we've also got right-wing groups that we need to examine as well. So then what are they? What can they actually do about it? Who Who's running it? Who's running QAnon? We don't know. Surely, that's why it's anonymous. But that's <laughs> what I mean. Surely you cannot have, in this day and age, you cannot have a website that no one knows who's behind it. Yeah, Surely. You can. Yeah. That, that's why you have all these chat rooms, which I'm, I'm not going to go into the details. I don't want you getting... You're using your computer and then people keeping an eye on you. <laughs> Don't worry, there is absolutely no chance of that happening. <laughs> so for me, it's interesting, for example, with the current crisis over the coronavirus, that you've got a, a movie that's doing the rounds called Plandemic, which I don't think is now available on YouTube. It's been taken down. But which is saying that this is all part of a conspiracy to reduce population numbers, etc. And it's to do with um, encouraging people to have vaccinations, which we know are life endangering. So you've got a very strong anti-vaccination movement in the United States. So the, the, there are so many separate manifestations of this paranoia in the United States, which then also flows into Australia as well. So what we're looking at then is this new era almost of politics, whereby a rumour which previously would have been fairly limited in being able to move around, like the whole question of explaining what happened with the assassination of President Kennedy, now moves with, literally with the speed of light through social media. And we're seeing the way that social media are now fragmenting democracy in a sense that we no longer have a shared understanding of reality. And instead, you've got multiple perceptions of reality so there are now very few national events that take place. Sport would be the rare exception to that. We're moving into an era of increasingly fragmented societies where people will say, well, you have your truth and I have mine. So it's a post-enlightenment society. It's a post-rational society. 
And it's one that the media also play into. So, the, you know, if you think about the media and the way in which instead of saying what happened, they'll ask people, how did you feel when you saw what happened? Mm. So it becomes a much more emotion-driven media coverage rather than a factual one. Well, I am guilty of that, having worked in the media for a very long time. So <clears throat> I do say, I see where you're coming from, Keith. Hello, though, uh, in terms of, you know, if misinformation, we thought that COVID might take care of that because science is back on the agenda and scientists have been looked to through this time and health experts. Um, so it's the era of experts again. I know that's been, you know. Oh, you're such an optimist. That's why I love you. You're, you're such an optimist. <laughs> but surely that's one benefit that can come out of COVID. The number of people who are now contacting me and saying we've, we've overreacted in Australia. We should not have closed down the economy. We should have kept going. We, we challenge, therefore, the basic science, which is underpinning the whole notion of the coronavirus. So I, I don't think there's been a sudden realisation that we have to follow science. I know this from the debate that I have over climate change and the number of people who ignore the science on climate change, and I'm now coming across it in regard to the coronavirus, the number of people who are saying, no, don't listen to those experts, they're wrong. Really? Yeah. I just I just feel like they were the ones that were telling us when there was so much uncertainty, they were the ones giving certainty. Along with the government, obviously. Yeah. They were the ones that were saying exactly how it worked. Well, I, I'm an academic. That's my world, right? Yeah. I live in a fact-based world of enlightenment values where you think you can reason things through. I'm just warning you that there's a lot of people out there who do not share that enlightenment view of reality and are, and are susceptible to all sorts of alarmist theories. <sighs> No, I accept, I accept that after the podcast. <laughs> it's just a shame. <laughs> it is a shame, absolutely. And it's very worrying for the future of our society. But that's the reality. Remember in this podcast series, we're trying to deal with reality rather than what we would like to see happen. No, well, it's, it's very useful in this case, Keith. Thank you. Thank you. Global Truths was presented by Dr Keith Souter and me, Kate Mack. Produced by Matt Dwyer. Audio production by Darcy Thompson. Listener.